Welcome to the Gather Influence podcast. It is our great honor to welcome you into some of the most catalytic conversations happening in our nation around the female voice. My name is Vanessa Hoyes from Montreal and my co-host Kathy Ostapchuk from Toronto and I have the privilege of leading Gather Women. This movement will exist until the female voice can be heard loud and clear in every sphere of influence across our nation. So we invite you into these conversations and we pray they will mobilize you personally, you the listener, you the influencer to champion truth, challenge inequity and in turn change our nation and change our world. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Gather Influence podcast. My name is Kathy Ostapchuk, and I will be co-hosting today with the lovely Vanessa Hoyes. We have an amazing conversation lined up for you today. We are going to be talking to Emma Narenin all the way from Australia, but now church planting in BC, in Canada, in our nation for such a time as this. You will not want to miss a word of this podcast. It's incredible. I mean, we talk about all the things. We talk about co-laboring as females alongside men in the church, co-leading, co-pastoring, and also the gift of communication and also the call on a woman's life to share the gospel and what that looks like, what that feels like. Is it accepted? Are there voices in opposition to that? So we go to all those places today. A little bit about Emma. Pastor Emma is the co-lead pastor with her husband, Ben, of Avant Life Church. And after hearing the clear call from God, and you will hear that story today in the podcast, and I love it. It's so good. They moved with their three children from Canberra, Australia to North Vancouver, to pioneer Avant Life Church. Pastor Emma is passionate about sharing the message of Christ with boldness, passion, and intentionality. Her heart for people, leadership development, worship, and community engagement has helped establish Avant Life Church as a thriving, relevant, and transformational Christ-centered community. And the very cool thing is they have started in North Vancouver. They are church planting in Squamish and just recently also church planting in Surrey. So after being here just a few short years, you can see that their ministry is thriving and growing. I'm excited about this conversation because Emma says that God's very creation of you as a woman gives you permission to be part of his kingdom. And what I love about Emma is that she really presents this point of view, not only her point of view, but God's point of view on the inherent value of women as co-laborers in the kingdom. And so you're going to want to lean in to listen to that. We just invite you also to explore the possibility of joining us for Gather Voices. Emma is going to be one of our stunning guest coaches. And so she's not only going to be talking about what it is like to lead as a woman, but crafting a message, crafting a communication message, whether it's a teach or a preach, the resources available to do that and the encouragement to be able to be able to craft your message. So thank you for joining us today. Have a good listen. Welcome to the Gather Influence podcast today. I'm Kathy Ostapchuk, and along with my co-host Vanessa Hoyes, we are so excited to have Emma on the podcast with us today. She is up bright and early from her home in BC at 7 a.m. there, and we're just so excited to see your beautiful face in this room with us today. We are new friends, you and I. Vanessa, you have known Emma for a little bit longer as fellow church planters and fellow uh, journeyers from other continents <laughs> to come here to Canada. So Emma, welcome today. Thank you so much. It's such a privilege to be with you guys. And you know how we do things when we haven't met somebody, we Google them, right? We find them on YouTube. Where, where have they spoken? What have they said? And of course, I've done that with you in, in a very non-creepy way, Emma. But <laughs> what stands out to me is that you just have a heart for Jesus above and beyond, that you are creative and bold and innovative, and your messages are so life-giving and so well thought out. So I'm just so happy to welcome you to Canada and so happy that you are in this nation cultivating the soil along with your husband, Ben, and your amazing children. So I would love you to introduce you to the listeners and tell us maybe a little bit about the journey 
of mm -hmm. your family moving from Australia all the way here. Yeah, so I grew up in Australia in the same little town, well, not little, little city, um, my whole life, and grew up in a great Christian family, really honor my parents for all that they invested into me. Um, I'm one of seven kids, so I'm, I'm number five. I say that no one can really say that very often, that you're number five. You're either oldest, second oldest, youngest, second youngest, or middle. So I got number five, which was fun. Uh, in a big family. But yeah, so I always had a sense of call from God at a very young age to do whatever he wanted me to do. I was just very desperate to please him and to serve him. And um, Ben and I have been married uh, for coming up to 12 years this November. And we've been co-ministering together for that whole, for our whole marriage um, in some capacity or another. And it was about 2015, we were at a, um, a pastor's uh, conference and we just sensed that our season was changing and we didn't have all the details worked out. We just, we just sensed we were in a good place. Ministry was good. We loved where we were, but something just started to change and we couldn't quite explain it. Um, that drive from uh, where we were back home was a nine hour drive. And we just spent that nine hours praying and talking and, and kind of seeking God as to what was next for us. And basically through a couple of different things, uh, Canada came to um, our mind. It was kind of, it was kind of random. I'd never thought about moving to Canada. Like it wasn't a, a thing I had been praying about or even talking about. It was just one day Canada dropped and um, we started walking that out with our, our senior pastors and with the board of the church that we were a part of and, and a couple of other mentors. And I remember we were at the Gold Coast um, in Australia one day with some of our friends who were, who were kind of mentor figures. I believe Vanessa may know them as well, um, the, uh, the Greys. And they had moved over from New Zealand to Australia to plant a church. So we were kind of seeking their wisdom and their advice and you know what do we do and Marshall he's um he just says to us he's like where is it exactly say it right now and we hadn't had that conversation Ben and I had not talked and Ben just says the northern part of Vancouver I just sense it's the northern part of Vancouver and I was like oh my gosh I we haven't had this conversation at all and I'm like where is that um I failed geography as a kid anyways so to figure out where that was now it, it's quite interesting because there's actually a North Vancouver, like it's it's the city of North Vancouver or the district of North Vancouver. We just figured there was a North, South, East and West to every city. And so we journeyed that out and and really sought God for confirmation of that. I sought God for confirmation. Ben, was he was there and um, God just turned up miraculously in answering that call through uh, three specific moments um, and I'll share this because I believe it's encouraging to know that God still speaks specifically but it was that same day that um, Ben had said northern Vancouver that I then said all right well God I'm not moving my whole family my whole life on Ben's idea this has to be your idea because I need to own it like I can't just be like yeah Ben was the one that came up with it this has to be my yes and I have to have complete ownership over it regardless of what happens and so that day I was like all right God give me three signs I'm laying out a fleece I'm giddying this moment and I just need you to come through on three like give me three like things that says yes this is happening it was in that same day we were driving down to uh, the, the beachfront in the Gold Coast and um, we were in our friend's car and the radio was just playing a Gold Coast radio station. And, and so Ben and I started talking, well, what, is, what does that actually look like practically speaking? I'm about logistics here. I'm like, what, like how much is it gonna cost me to send my kids to school? Like how much is like, milk gonna cost like what's the gas pr prices like we were talking all of those details and the radio station flicked from uh onto its next thing and the guy rocks up and he's like hey we're going to talk about cost of living 
in the Gold Coast. So why don't you call up and tell us your comparisons? Now the Gold Coast has got a lot of tourists because it's a beautiful place to do a working holiday visa. And the first caller is, oh, hey there, bud. I'm from North Vancouver. And he literally answers everything that I've just asked in the car with Ben. And so I turned the radio station off because I wasn't uh, down for that. I was like, this is too soon. We get to the restaurant and our waiter greets us and everyone has an accent. So you're not surprised. And I was like, where are you from? Uh, oh, I'm from Canada. And I was like, of course you are. I was like, whereabouts? He's like, I'm from North Vancouver. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is too obvious. That night, that same night, we're driving home to uh, our friend Marshall and Rochelle's house and they live in a place called Robina. And if you get Google Maps up, you can search this. We pulled over to the side of the road to figure out where we were because we were a little lost. And Ben says to me, well, what street are we on? And I look up. And we were on Vancouver Drive. If you look up Robina, the Gold Coast, you will see Vancouver Drive. And as soon as I saw that, I just had this incredible peace and excitement come over me. Um, ben always jokes that a couple of roads down was Montreal Circuit. So I feel like maybe Vanessa and Andrew hit that one up earlier. But yeah, it was just God God still in, in my lack of understanding and my lack of faith in that moment, he still showed up and answered the questions that I had in the way that he knows I needed. And um, we then figured out, you know, worked with our board and our sending pastors. And in 2017, uh, we landed here one month before our daughter's first birthday, uh, which her birthday is Canada Day, which is another thing that God kind of just <laughs> threw in there. And so it was just, um, we sensed a call from God to plant a church and every step was us letting go of control and him making way for miracles. And, and that's kind of been the story of, of, of this church planting and, and church establishing journey now um, is that we've just seen miracle after miracle when we just don't hold everything so tightly in our hands. So yeah, that's a bit of us. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, this whole podcast could be about clarity and call and I think anybody listening right now would be so encouraged by that. I think so many times we find ourselves just walking in circles, which is what we do naturally. We walk in circles, but you were bold enough to say, this is a modern Gideon moment and God, I need these three things. And it just shows me too how your call was just as important as Ben's in that moment. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't just the guy bringing the family, you know, to this adventure, you needed to be right in the middle of it. Vanessa, I would love to just compare a little bit of your story to Emma's because there's so many similarities in how you found yourself in Montreal. Can you squeeze that in? Because I think it's just such a great story. Honestly, it sounds very, I love it. it it's it's <laughs> like, it's the same type of sense and Emma, ours was around the same time. It was 2014, really sensing that it's it was the new it was it was something was there was a shift for sure and I was thinking was it a shift from where we were was it a movement shift like I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was I'd had dreams um really clear dreams as well like about conversations I was having with certain people and and then so randomly that was a dream I woke up I'm like oh my gosh I've got a call so and so and then that morning that person calls who's from America we didn't even know it was on the Gold Coast visiting can we have breakfast and so Andrew went off to breakfast because I thought something was wrong with this person like they need help like I was like we loved them we'd, we'd discipled them in our years in Sydney and so Anyway, I dropped the kids off to school, come later into the conversation. So I'm like, well, if something was going on, he might have had a chance to tell Andrew. And I'm trying to do those eyes with Andrew. Like, have you asked? Is he good? Is he good? You know, and so, and then, um, and I'd been saying to Andrew for about four to six months, like, there's something going on for us. I don't know what it is. And no, no, 10 years in our church, full of vision, moving forward, you know, all the rest of it. And then, this guy says, so what about you guys? Like you feel this long-term call here to the Gold Coast. And in that moment, I just look at Andrew and he falters for like, wouldn't have even been a second, but in my mind, it felt like five minutes, right? And this person would never have known. And he says, 
no, I don't think we do. And I turned like that to look at him and I knew everything in that moment had changed, right? I just knew it had changed. And so driving away from that appointment, I said, what did the Lord just say? And he said, um, Google a place called Montreal. And I'm like, what? In Rio de Janeiro. Because <laughs> I'm a bit not geographical either. And so, and I think I only thought Rio de Janeiro because I thought jazz, all I knew I think was Montreal Jazz Festival. And I just knew Rio, like, so I think I it was the word jazz festival. <laughs> so I Googled it and it said French speaking Canada. And at that point we really, um, we, we weren't on the road in Montreal, but I do know <laughs> those areas of Rabina, Emma. And so that was the same for us. It was, we had come 10 years previous to leave Sydney, felt a, a shift and a church planning call with the permission of our pastors we'd visited um, France and Canada, where, where you are, Emma, actually, literally like where you are in, in 10 years earlier, gone up to Whistler, North Vancouver, like done that whole being with John and Helen Burns. And that was 10 years earlier. And in Whistler, God had said, no, I need you on the Gold Coast. And Andrew was never going to move to the Gold Coast. He loves his family, but his family was up there and he just, he always felt he was called overseas and had loved just a French-speaking world for years. And so, but I had felt we were meant to go to the Gold Coast and he'd resisted it. So he had a Samuel experience. And in that decade on the Gold Coast, we'd seen incredible things happen, but we'd also seen his father find Jesus and pass away of cancer. And if we'd been overseas, you just, like, you just don't know those stories. So water baptised him. And so amazing reasons why we're on the Gold Coast. And so in that moment, to see that there was somewhere called French-speaking Canada when we'd kind of been to France and been to Canada was like blew our mind. I cried. I wasn't up for it. And, and Andrew was like, oh, my gosh, best of both worlds. So that's how it happened. And then our signs were, were pretty clear too, like three. For me, they were my signs and wonders too. So I got some really clear ones. And Emma, I think it's the same reason, like God, the cost for me, the cost of calling, and maybe it's a womanhood piece, like it's, there was more at stake. And I don't believe our men don't think family and don't think, I don't think, not at all, like they carry that. But I think we're thinking differently about uprooting mm -hmm. and uprooting relationally, uprooting like in, in other ways that I would still say people don't, talk through the grief of those transitions when there's calling mm -hmm. and so because we're now all about the calling but the cost is just so big relationally too because you've got a calling but not everyone around you is and people that love you are going to want that calling to come to fruition because it costs them something too right so yeah so I hear you I sent you I've prayed for you since the day you landed and um I've run in these circles with you for years at conferences. So it's so fun to be here yeah. together. And this is Kathy's gift. She kind of actually does this. She does so much connecting in this nation. So it's an honor to be here. Well, I mean, you see me smiling because, I mean, I I was born and raised here out in Alberta. My parents were, uh, and my in-laws were, all came from white Belarus and Ukraine. So I have that same sense of coming from somewhere else but I'm happy because my call is to cultivate the soil of this nation and when I see that God through really really mysterious and intriguing and amazing magnificent ways brought both of you here with your families I see it not only as you planting your local churches but you have a national voice and we need you and welcome and thank you and it's, it was very prophetic, I think, Emma, when I hear that, you know, your life had you move continents as, as well as Vanessa and Andrew, but you are still living part of a very prophetic, I think, call, because what is possible for the church in Canada is so, is the question everybody's asking, and you're here and you're part of that. And so important, Emma, that you are co-pastoring with your husband. So you are not just here as a support to him, but it's a mutuality where you're both 
leading and growing and envisioning the future. So I would love to ask you, since you've been here, what have been some of the differences that you've noticed in the Canadian church and the culture? It could be in relationship to the co-pastor model. What are some of the wins, but what are some of the challenges? Mm. Yeah, I mean, like speaking to co-pastoring, I'm, I'm so aware that not everyone has a sense of calling to do that. If you're married, you have a definite calling to your marriage. And so that is your, like, it's not for everyone. And, and so I, I don't want to pressure anyone to feel like they have to do that. You've got to figure out, like, like each story is so unique. And, and you see the, the fingerprint of God on each story. And so being able to, to identify what that fingerprint looks like for you as a minister, no matter what that looks like. We've, we've always kind of co-pastored together. Like I think um, I give a lot of credit to our, our sending pastors, pastors Sean and Linda Stanton, because they didn't see the call in me because of Ben. Um, and that's not me dishonoring my husband at all it's actually honoring him a lot by by saying that they saw the call of God and and the touch of God on on our lives individually and by bringing it together believed and hoped that it would uh, be far more beneficial and far more fruitful and so we've had time to kind of figure it out before we landed here in Vancouver um, we have co-led together for I think seven years prior to that um, in different in different ways and so we had time to figure it out and figure it out within our marriage and, and we definitely lead out of our marriage um, that is our that's our starting point for co-pastoring and we've figured that out and we've had the clear and hard conversations because we're both strong people and I came from a very I would say matriarchal family and he did also so strong women kind of run in both sides of our families and so we had to have those conversations well what does that look like in marriage like like I've I've married someone who is also a strong leader and an upfront leader and so how you how you figure that out takes time it's not necessarily going to happen overnight and you've really got to honor the covenant of marriage within that and so we've had time to do that and it's like it's like you're trying to like get off the ground, like you're a bird trying to get off the ground and you finally find that sweet spot and you're gliding. Um, and so we're in the glide now and it's good. And it's looked different over many different years. Um, we're just really good at readjusting. Um, I think we've, God's given us so many different changes over the course of our ministry that change doesn't scare us anymore. Sometimes I feel like maybe it should, but uh, it doesn't. And so uh, just being aware that that change is just life. And so we kind of go with that. But um, yeah, like co-pastoring together is a lot of fun. Like if you can figure it out and if you can do it together well, like like I spend so much time with my husband <laughs> um, and I enjoy him. Like I enjoy not just being with him relationally but working with him um i think if you can figure out working together for the call of god that doesn't like whether that's full-time part-time volunteer time like whatever it is if you can figure that out it's so beneficial for your marriage and so beneficial for your family that co-laboring that we we hear paul speak about in corinthians like we're co-laborers with god which means we're also co-laborers together and we we just really encourage that it is a big, it like Canada is very different to what I expected it to be. I think because I grew up in a Western society, I just figured everyone was like that. And um, similar to Vanessa, we, I grew up in, in a movement that I feel like when I got there, the conversation of are women allowed was just, it was, it wasn't really a topic. Like women were, we, we, like there were strong women, like, I mean, I know it's the classic example, but Bobby Houston, she did really pave a way for it just to be normalized. And it wasn't a, should we do this? It was a, we are doing this, how we're doing this in partnership with men. That was still a conversation on the table, which was fair. In regards to like preaching and speaking, it was never, I never felt like I wasn't allowed. I always had a place coming here. I didn't think I would ever need to be used 
to bring women into ministry. If that's the truth of it. I didn't think that that was going to be a part of my story. I was like, well, yeah, it's like a given. Um, it's really not here. Like I have lovely people in my world, like in my church world that don't believe that I should preach and, and they're not mean about it. Like it's just their, their understanding of, of how, like how they've been uh, taught throughout scripture through, through the church over the years. And so I didn't realize that I actually had to fight for others, but also fight for my own space. Um, I often use this, like, I've kind of had this conversation with God as to what that looks like. It's like, there's this beautiful table set and there's all these men around the table. And this is not to dishonor our men. Like, I'm, I'm not about that. As I know you aren't, we're here to honor and co-labor together. Um, and there's all these men sitting around the table and it's like, God's asked me to go sit at the table, but there's no chair. And he's like, you're just going to have to take your own chair. Like you just have to bring your own chair sometimes to sit down at the table. And, and definitely I, I'm finding there is people that believe that I have a voice that should be used for building the kingdom. Let's remember what it, the purpose is for. It's for building the kingdom. So that's always the front and center of my mind. But from a preaching point, I feel people are starting to warm up a little bit more. I think a lot of the work comes down to the leadership discussions that I also want to see uh, more female voices find themselves to be involved in leadership conversations. So it's, there has been, a, it was a bit of a shock to me, to be honest. I didn't realize how much women were not valued for their voice when it came to building the kingdom of God. And I've just had to lean on scripture and lean on uh, the nature of my God knowing that the breath that he breathed into Adam, he breathed into me. And that's the, that's the breath that sustains me. And so um, it's definitely been different. And I've been observing a lot and working out a little bit to see how God wants to use these muscles. And I know that he's, it's in his timing that he's going to really get me to do what he needs me to do to make a way for, for women to feel like they, they were created for purpose for building the kingdom uh, that's what I think it comes down to is that we can't just sit by and be like well I don't have permission and I'm like well God's very creation of you gives you permission to be a part of his kingdom work like you've got to believe that there's purpose in that. and that's what I've had spoken over me for forever is that you've got purpose and you've got a calling when it comes to the gospel message of Jesus. Like, let's let's remember what this is about. It's so that people would hear the gospel message of Jesus. Wouldn't we want more people on the field? Um, shouldn't we want more people actually declaring who Jesus is and the goodness of God over their lives? Well, then let's let's get that happening. I'm kind of my attitude is, come on, let's get it done. Like, there's work to be done. Like, so let's go. One hundred percent to all of that. I love that you said. If there's no spot for you at the table, just go grab your own chair and find your way. And we've talked about having a seat at the table and what that looks like, because the experience often is if it's a, a women's ministry thing or where women are, are bringing their best gifts. It's sort of a sideline thing on the side of the church or outside of the church. But to bring it mainstream, even into leading, co-pastoring, it doesn't have to be those roles, but just bringing a full a full gifting into the local church there is always some kind of uh, challenge and a lot of a lot of the times it's the women themselves still asking the question can I should I and that's where our direction has been like go to scripture yourself and see what's there you have to own it yourself you have to do the study yourself you have to receive the permission you know, that you're seeking from the one who created you. But then even af after they go through all that, it's like, well, will I, will I step into it? And that is, seems to be the hardest part because there's so much fear in that. What, what will that mean to the voices around me, the ones who are watching me? And you have said, there are people that don't really affirm the things that I'm doing out of my purpose. But if you listen to those voices, you would be off call but you're not, you're just listening to Jesus. And I think the common thread in the women that choose to say, I will, <laughs> is obedience. And so your obedience, I sense, is what 
drives you. So along with Vanessa, I mean, I've always, from the moment I met Vanessa, I knew that they were here to church plant, but I also knew that she was here for the women. I mean, her story has a lot of what it's like to wrestle with the feminine heart and bring it, you know, raise it up, um, speak it out. And I feel for you, Emma, that is a similar calling on you that maybe you didn't know when you came to Canada, but maybe God is saying, wait a minute, Emma, I have work for you here to do. So can you speak to just what I think your point of view around the feminine voice, around feminine presence in the church, the value of that. You've spoken a little bit about it, but I would love to hear more from you. Yeah, and it, I think it's interesting, um, Kathy, that you say more often than not, a lot of the resistance for women to speak up comes from women within themselves. And um, I know you've talked about like finding your voice and finding your voice is incredibly important because at the end of the day, it's not about your voice. Like if we were to look about, look at it deeply, it's like the whole purpose of us finding our voice is so that God's glory could be seen among the nation. Like, like I think about my views on, on my views on women and men is based upon my views of God. Why? Because we were created in his image. And so if we're created in his image, well, one, there's huge value on men and women because it's not like man didn't create woman, God created woman, which means it's the creator, the same, like I said, that same breath that breathed life into this whole world, breathed life into every single woman. And the breath of God can't not have purpose. There is always purpose with his breath. And we've seen how he's, he's used his own nature to bring about the salvation of all mankind. And I think we can sometimes, like I know I can overcomplicate myself speaking up. And, you know, what about this? What about this? And what about this? And it, at the end of the day, it all comes back down to, but do I want this world to know about Jesus? And and that's what we're on mission for is, is that we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and talk about what Jesus did because his work's finished. So we've got to get everyone on board with that. And so when I look at women, I don't see them as any less. They're not like a lesser being. Um, they're like scripture affirms the equality. Like there is neither no, no male or female. We're all un, under Christ as one which means we've got that same oneness of purpose under Christ. And so when I look at women, I, and especially looking at the Canadian woman, I'm like, man, like we, we need women to step into the call that God has for them because our men are carrying so much. Um, like it's, it's not this, as the world would try to tell you to separate men and women. I'm like, no, God actually says we're one under Christ. And so we need to actually start operating as one. And if that means that we need to find the confidence of our voice to come alongside our, our husbands, our brothers, our fathers, then we need to do that because as much as men won't say that they need us, <laughs> they need us and we need them because we're meant to be doing this together. Um, we were created under that same togetherness. And so we need to operate under that same togetherness. But I, I often reflect when, when people ask me about, you know, women doing what, you know, being involved in ministry in whatever capacity, um, I often reflect on, on within Christ's very resurrection, like within, within that huge moment, this, like, he doesn't forget about women because the first person he reveals himself, the resurrected Jesus, the first person he reveals himself to is a woman. And I'm like, isn't that just the most subtle, like boost of confidence? Like, it's like, even in his resurrection, he puts value on women. And he says, hey, you have a voice, go tell them. And like, we're the first ones. And when you when you look at that parallel to the fall in, in the Garden of Eden, how it was women that took the, the fruit to Adam, Mike, that's the biggest redemption story is that looking at what the fall of mankind looked like with women being the one that kind of 
said to man, hey, take this. Jesus in his resurrection, once the work's done, like it's finished now, like that sin has been removed, he, he recommissions woman. And I just get encouraged by the nature of my God because I'm like, only he could bring out that redemption story, like where we failed. Um, he just reaffirms that we have a voice where our voice was used to bring about the fall of mankind. He then says, go tell the world now. Like, I just get so encouraged by that because that's my God. And, and at the end of the day, when it comes down to how do we see ourselves as women, I pray that it would be through the eyes of our God, um, that we would read scripture and, and see, those, see those connections as to how Christ redeems us in our own failures and how he'll do it again. And so I believe that, that women, women are needed. Why? Because Jesus says it. God says it. Um, I know it seems simple, but if anyone else tells you, I'm like, maybe you're paying attention to the wrong voice a little bit. Um, it could be your voice. It could be somebody else's voice. And, and I get it. Those voices can be discouraging. Like I'm not here going, I, oh, I just don't listen to those voices. Like I hear those voices saying, there's no place for you, Emma. And I'm like, oh, like, like that really hurts. Like, and then it makes me go, well, God, is that how you think about me? And, and it starts to challenge how you think God thinks about you. And so, oh, I've got to go back to scripture and actually go, what, is, what does God actually think about me? Like, am I a lesser being? And it's like, no, I'm not. Oh, it says I'm, I'm one under Christ with my co-laborers in, in man. And so I just... I want to encourage any woman listening, like there's always going to be a voice that will say you're not enough. Like this is just the one that says, because you're a woman, you're not enough. And so you need to really go back and actually go, well, how did God like, and I think the creation story is beautiful for women because it reminds you you're from your very starting point that from the starting point, you were his from the starting point. He designed you from the starting point. He called you even in your failures, he recommissioned you and I just want to encourage women that you're not a lesser being. <laughs> you're not some subpar, uh, like fill in until the right man comes and does the job. Like you have your unique calling. That's, that's so unique to you. And so operate within that in full confidence. And for those, if you have men around you, whether you're married or in great relationship with men in ministry as well, like have the conversation with them. I think part of the struggle of, of why we view ourselves a certain way is because we don't bring the men into the conversation, which gives them little understanding. Because when you think about it, they don't have a problem with their calling based upon their gender. That's, that's unique to women. And so uh, I think bring the men in on the conversation because then they start to understand and then they start to make way for you at the table. And then maybe they'll pull out the chair for you and give you, give up, their chair and go get another one like you know we've got to give them the opportunity to to do that for us which means part of the speaking up and finding our voice first comes at the table of of conversation like you know people are going to have big platform discussions and and trust those of us who who know that that's what God's given us we're going to do that well and we're going to try and and honor all women in that um, but wherever your context is as a woman like at least find your voice in a conversation it's it's a place where um, I think we need more female voices um, humbly coming and saying hey can we can we talk about this together wow and there's so much in there. There's a book in there. <laughs> there's a whole yeah. there. And again, your focus on what, what is biblical truth? What does scripture say? What was God's original design is beautiful. The seat at the table is very important. It's continuum. If we don't find ourselves there now, how can we, how can we develop relationship uh, with men um, in order to shape the church together? And we at Gather, we invite men into our world. We invite them to our platform and we invite them in as equippers because we believe in the co-laboring. But I would love to bring Vanessa into this because, you know, we carry we carry the both and like it's about gender, but it's not about gender. Like it is about gender because we are female, but it's about gift and call 
you know, above gender. Uh, does God call you because of your gender, because of your gift, or because he just calls you, period, because you are a follower? And Vanessa always says it's about you, but it's not about you. So Vanessa, I would love you to respond to everything that Emma has so brilliantly expressed. Yeah, so hearing you, Emma, is is profound, actually, because it, it feels like when I told Kathy, well, I don't understand. So in our context, we didn't, and now we are. And therefore hearing your, what God has kept saying to you, and I think there's no greater way to, to move people back but to the scriptures first. In our context, as um, Kathy referenced, we've, we've got women all around in leadership. I have campus leads you know, one's only just got married, one's we're about to place campus is single francophone. So she's got even, I listened to this and she's got the anglophone here, the anglophone girl. There's an undercurrent here still of if you're not francophone, pure francophones won't come into, you know, your environment. So we've got this girl that got saved and raised her up in her leadership. And so she's going to lead our downtown campus as we relaunch single French she's beautiful she's amazing 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 and so where we get criticized sometimes of why so many women around and so our response is whoever's hand is up and whoever is graced or has grace on them that can be nurtured and then what Kathy really wanted then was just some of that preaching craft, just that I think I emailed you some of that and that would be amazing. So Emma, that hearing you speak like that, understanding context for sure for both of us in Australia. And I don't know if it was just our particular movements because I know there's more mainstream that might have be having in Stella or it is still in those spaces and places, but in our context, we really did become less about the male, female, and more about the what's on someone and what's in someone and what's their gift and their calling and their grace. And so um, that's how we've led to here. And it hasn't been as opposed publicly. I think one of the, maybe the Canadian context, you could tell me what you think is they won't maybe always say it to you. They might just not stay around or they might you know yeah a little bit more polite in um um in why they do or don't want or feel comfortable under leadership maybe of women we have a uh, two campuses so one has been led by a woman and this new one in the city will be led by a woman and she's actually French and was saved so she's had a few other dynamics because often the francophones don't feel comfortable in an anglophone environment and then anglophones might worry when a francophone's in like will it end up being all french so we have the male female we have um multicultural incredible and in the city so lots of conversations gender race age um you know culture as well so but we've always said whoever has the gift and honestly usually in church planning it's not even the gift it's whose hand is up who's faithful <laughs> and then who is willing to grow and be um, nurtured into leadership spaces so we call that kind of like we look for people's grace zone so I'm curious as I'm listening to you as we are that first of all, like, what are some of your spiritual gifts? What are your strengths? I don't know if you do Enneagram, but just a little bit about your personality and some strengths. What, what is, I mean, I'm listening, I'm hearing, I, I don't want to type you. So what strengths do you work from? Yeah. Well, my Enneagram, I feel like is constantly changing. I do that for fun, but I, I hold it very loosely at the same time. I'm a number one. So yeah. typically it's like there's like an order to things however it's so funny like I, I play like I have fun with this I don't I kind of don't like feel like that is the only thing that defines yeah. them. but a number one's like person that they struggled the most to get along with is like a number three I think it is which is like like the one that's just completely carefree and like whatever and that's my son 
And it's so interesting because you like, I'm like, well, I can't stay a number one then. <laughs> like, I have to, <laughs> you know, the if you err towards order and structure yeah. and things like that, um, and my son is completely the opposite. And so that's a little bit of fun. I mean, like, like I said, I, I came from a very strong female family. Like there's, there's five girls, like, um, so five sisters, uh, four sisters. And um, my mom's a really strong woman as well. Um, she's also a farm girl. So she grew up in Australia, farmland, which you would know, Vanessa, it's drought land. So um, the struggle is real big uh, in farming communities. And, and it was kind of a toughen up type of mentality. And wow. so uh, there was a lot of like strengthening that was uh, exampled and, and how, to, how to be strong like from the outward. And so you really have to figure out how, what does that look like inside of you? Um, is that just a, oh, I've got to show everyone I'm strong or am I actually strong? Like it, do I have fortitude? Is my heart strong? And so I definitely know I know who I am um, I took the time especially in my teenage years where everyone's conflicted with who am I to kind of figure that out um, and so I, I'm confident within within who I am but that doesn't mean you don't have the rattling and the shaking happening inside of you and that's just kind of the struggle that you you carry and but you've got to let people in on that as well yeah. I find I, I'm someone that loves to live in the Mary Martha tension where I want to serve Jesus, but I want to be at his feet. And I feel like that's probably resonates with a lot of women is that you have a heart for Jesus and to sit with him, but um, you've got to serve him. And I've got to make sure that I'm serving Jesus and you constantly live in that. But yeah, so I definitely, um, I love doing spiritual gifting, gifting tests. And if you're a woman and you haven't ever done one of those, totally find uh, a spiritual gift test and do that um, that's really helped me operate within the giftings I know God has on me I liked it's so funny my mum and my dad are both teachers and I always said I never want to be a teacher but I find once I I like to teach but I like to teach the things I'm passionate about which is I love the word um, I, I love I love sitting down and, and talking about the word of God. And so I, I kind of operate within that space. Um, uh, and I really enjoy that. I, I, I really, it's funny. I never thought I'd say this, but I like to teach. And that's a big thing for women is that maybe sometimes you're not given permission to teach. And so how do you reconcile this gifting? Like if God's given me this gifting of, of teaching, how does that play out in, in the church? Like, is that just meant I'm meant to teach children how to read and write? Because my patience isn't that strong. Um, <laughs> um, but the Lord will help me. And yeah, so you have to be able, you, you have these things where you, where you sense your calling and, and you see your giftings. And, and it, like, it seems to make sense as to how you would then use that for God. And then you come against the roadblock of, oh, but you're not allowed. And so... I just think, well, I'm just going to operate in the giftings. And if, if, if people don't want me there, then I'm going to go where people do want me um, and where people do need me and believe that God will pave a way of influence. And like you said, Vanessa, like it's not necessarily about hitting male, female demographic. For ben and I always say this as well. Like as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It's all about merit. And, and I'm not just talking about like, like your work ethic. I'm talking about your heart ethic. And we always look at merit, like, like show, show me the fruitfulness of God in your life um, and how you're operating in that. Yeah. And um, I just think it's so important for us to, to focus in on those things while acknowledging that we also have to give opportunity for people to show that and have opportunity to grow in that. I just, I, I lead out of a place of wanting others to be leaders if I were to sum it up and like, well, I mean, if I can do it, like anyone can do it. So let's just grow leaders. Um, and, and they'll find their unique place and they'll, they'll find their, their spot as well. But yeah, I don't know if I, I've moved on from Enneagrams to. <laughs> I love it. Let's just grow leaders. I think that's so key. And Kathy, as she said earlier, was kind of, you know, stalked in that, 
friendly way he stalked and kind of just got in your circle and heard some of your podcasts and her Kathy you, for you you're noticing in Emma's gifting um having again worked with communicators for years you were saying Emma has this deep rich teaching but it becomes so it has a preaching gift on it the delivery on it is has then all this extra kind of skill and learnt um you know with that expository and then you move it into that this your style of communication is so creative and innovative and life-giving and so do you want to speak into that for a moment because I know in gather voices that's one of the exciting things we'll be doing is talking a bit about the craft of communication particularly when it comes to public um speaking teaching and preaching although we're very excited for our writers as well that will come into that um cohort but talk a little bit about that teaching that you love, but how to deliver it in a way that is there been some craft there, some, yeah. some keys? Yeah, um, I think all the little things matter. And so when I look at, you know, what were my key moments of learning how to, to preach, it was being involved in drama as an elementary school student. And it was uh, being allowed to have conversation um, with people at a table and it was learning debating which I hated but learning how to do that so I, I think like before I get into like what I do anything is an opportunity to develop your voice if you're using your voice don't discredit those little moments of opportunity because they actually do help form you which is why I said earlier start having conversations because I mean some of my team will testify to this before I preach on a Sunday I'll be talking to them like a couple of them about what I'm going to preach on and in that more revelation comes and more passion and excitement comes and so I'm having conversation long before I'm on the platform which means our conversations need to actually be intentional it needs to actually be like well what what am I actually passionate about? If I were to get up on a platform, what would I say? And am I having that conversation prior to the platform? And I think those little things are incredibly important to actually shape your voice. And like you said, Vanessa, it's it's about finding your voice so, so that you know that it's not about your voice. And those things play a, a strong part in the actual delivering of teaching because at the end of the day, once I've got my craft down, um, the words that come out of my mouth are not for my own glory. And so that's a, that's a really key starting point to craft is start in that place of humility. Uh, other things that I actually do, like, so when I, when I have, say I've been given a topic or, or a passage of scripture, um, the first thing I do, and this is just me, is I go to YouTube and there's like three hour instrumental worship playlists, which is no singing because I'm a worship leader. So if I hear a melody, I'm singing. And, and all I do is pray. And I don't do the three hours. It's just a loop. Um, I couldn't do the three hours right now at my time of life, one day maybe. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I just put on this playlist and I go into my office and I'm, I'm in solitude and I'm just praying. And I'll have a notebook on standby should something drop into my mind. But my focus isn't necessarily I'm going to pray for a message. It's like, God, I'm going to seek you and see the, like, try and find your heart. Um, and so that's how I start. Um, I always have my notebook handy because I find that, and, and this is just me, I'm, I'm a busy mum, And so I'm on the go a lot. And so things come into my head at any point. So I have a notebook in my car. I've got a notebook at the kitchen, in my desk, in my bedroom. Like there's notebooks everywhere, which is fun to try and collate that all together. But that's just the reality of my life. But I, I read, if I've got a particular passage, like if I'm doing um, an expositional preach, so if I'm focusing in on one passage of scripture and, and talking about that, then I'll, I'll read the scripture and I'll read commentaries. They are a huge resource in my library. Uh, I love commentaries. I love trying to understand, oh, when Jesus says he's like, we're the salt, what did salt do in his context? 
and what did un, like what did bad salt do like and 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 I love looking all of that stuff up and seeing if there's a principle uh, from his time that works in our time. I'm always looking for principle. I think the Bible is so rich, and uh, if you were to just read it and like I think in Romans 14, it talks about whether people want to eat meat or not eat meat. And when I was a kid, I was like, oh, it's about being a vegetarian. And you soon realize when you really read it as like you read that chapter, realizing it's, oh, it's one whole book. In my experiences in the past, I've seen a lot of preaching about application. So, you know, this is, uh, you need to, uh, women, you need to be modest. And so that means that you're not allowed to wear pants at church. And there's been a lot of preaching about application. However, it, it application, if that's the thing you're preaching, it disregards context, it disregards circumstances, it disregards culture. So I always go, what is the principle? And then I let the people figure out how does that apply to their lives personally? Like, the reality is I can't look at every single person's life and be like, you need to apply this, this, and this, and this from the pulpit, but I can teach them the principle. I can say, this is the godly principle found in this passage, find your application because otherwise I'm not letting them feed themselves as well. Like if I'm just saying, well, you have to do A, B, C, and D like, and that's the practical outworkings of it. Like that's so disregarding every individual story. That's, that's disregarding what's going on in their life, where they've come from. All of that context is just completely removed. But I know and I trust that the principles of the word meet every circumstance and the principles stay strong and true and fast. And so if I preach principle, I believe that Jesus can meet them with that principle in, and they can figure out an application with Jesus. I, I love finding what is really being said. I don't like trying to give a specific instruction of you have to do this particular method. There's principles that ring true across all of time and we see it in, in scripture. And so if we would just dig a little bit, which is why I love commentaries. Um, I love uh, reading different journals, even that people write academic journals that they do and there's so many different resources that you can get one way that I've actually one particular and this might be a practical help one particular um, preacher that I loved reading his his books about preaching is Haddon Robinson and he's since passed but he he helps you kind of get the template sorted for how you how a good preach looks and then once you've figured out that method man god just fills it all in and um so for those of you who are wanting uh, resources even even youtubing haddon robinson's sermons and seeing how he does it but he does a book called the art and craft of of biblical preaching and um that could be of great help for someone out there um and you'll find your pattern as well like you know um you'll use who you are like Jesus uses who you are to actually deliver the message so it's his voice and your voice converging and but it's his principles and and it's his his scripture um he just gets to use your voice if you would allow him and so I I spend a lot of time I I love to have as much lead up time to preaching as possible it doesn't always work out that way <laughs> um and so um yeah, I just think you should always be reading, regardless if you've got a, a sermon to preach, you should read something and and start with with, with what is already in your heart. Um, if you're looking for a starting place, then then see what you're passionate about and start from there and it'll grow from there. Um, you'll get more and more passionate about the word. You'll get more and more passionate about other things of God. But yes, I, I strongly I strongly get behind principle over application when it comes to teaching the word. Yeah, that was also good. I feel like we need to drop this podcast today because some girls are still deciding <laughs> other voices. And actually, Emma, you're going to be in this session, the immersive, along with Daryl Johnson, who's one of our amazing Canadian preachers of all time. Sure. And 
I am so excited for the principle be before the application because I always ask the question, what is true that will always be true? What is true now that will be true 100 years from now? And very few things are true eternally, but God's word is. And so for you to say there are some principles that are unchanging as God is unchanging that you can you can bank your life on you can set your life course on those you can make lots of different decisions about your life based on those principles and it's in scripture and so um i've just learned so much in the last 10 minutes i want to thank you for this time and before we go just a word of encouragement to anyone listening um that their voice matters that the female voice in the canadian church and globally matters anyone listening who still is at that point where they think can I, should I, but yet they have a sense that something has been seated in them. Then honestly, like the best position that you can remain in is to be constantly a disciple of Jesus. When I say that you're, while you're, you want to be a teacher, you, you're firstly a student. And so don't stop learning. There's so many opportunities, which is why Gather Women is so important because it's an opportunity for you to learn. I don't know everything. I'm still learning. I, and I'm still positioning myself in places where I'm learning, which means that you have to be vulnerable enough and humble enough to know that you don't have it all and that I'm going to position myself as a student because somebody knows more than me about something. And so if you're wondering, do I have a voice? Yes, you do. Let me make that simple for you. Whether that's a voice written or a voice spoken, you have a voice. And so um, just start learning more. Like, like give yourself opportunities to learn. Never stop, like never remove yourself from the classroom. Now, that doesn't mean you become a slave to, to knowledge and never use your hands. The whole purpose of learning is so that you would be productive and fruitful. So I just think surround yourself with, with resources. Um, there's book resources, there's people resources, there's, there's things like gather women resources. There is always an opportunity for you to grow. Don't, don't stunt your own growth by not giving yourself or not saying yes to an opportunity because that's what's actually gonna help you be more and more fruitful. Like, yes, the disciples were called by Jesus, but then they followed Jesus. Why? So that they could hear Jesus's teachings. Why? So that they could then preach what Jesus taught. So just because Jesus called them didn't stop them from following him. They still followed him and they still listened to him and they still learned from him. Like that is a continual process. Um, so until Jesus comes back and we're all brought into fullness of glory, we remain students, we remain learning so that we can continue to actually deliver the gospel message better than before. Um, and so surround yourself with those opportunities, say yes to those opportunities, make way for those opportunities. There's many of them. Amen to that. Brilliant. Vanessa, would you close our time uh, with praying for Ben and Emma and Avant Life Church and yeah. the new church plant happening? We would love to pray over that. And we just see God's hand on you as you are ministering. Um, the message was clear. It was North Van, but I don't know if you heard the messages back in Aussie land about Squamish, <laughs> but there you are. That call is there too. So we are just so honored that you spent this time with us in the midst of your extremely rich and robust life. And we are so honored that you will be with us at Gather Voices. This is a treasure um, of, of wealth, of wisdom. So Thank you so much, Emma. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's been so great to be with you, Emma. And again, let me just bless you and your work. And in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for Avant Life. I thank you for this growing movement, this growing community of people. Lord, I thank you for the leadership of Ben and Emma and their family. God, I thank you for gift and grace and calling so costly and yet so clear. And God, I thank you for Emma's voice. I thank you for today, for everyone that will sit under the sound of this good news and this gospel that she has shared. I declare an awakening for so many that will listen 
grace on her. There is gift on her. And so I pray, Jesus, under the watch of her leadership and her serving, she would grow leaders. She would grow female and male leaders. She would grow female and male communicators of this gospel of good news. And out from her life and her fruitfulness would become multiplied kingdom advancement and effectiveness. God, I see people being raised and released from their life way beyond North Vancouver. And I thank you for it. I thank you for who they are. Bless them, protect them, provide for them, give them all the desires of their heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this conversation you were just a part of today on our podcast would really empower you in your sphere of influence to continue to strengthen your gorgeous, brilliant, phenomenal feminine voice and strength that you have to offer your spheres of influence. We are so excited about launching Gather Voices coaching cohort for summer all the way through to the rest of 2021 to really continue to coach and champion the female voice in the church and across our nation of Canada. Why don't you consider jumping on our wait list, looking at the information, praying into whether this is your time to take the next step and really continue to grow with your revelation that you beautiful woman of God have an opportunity to use your voice for the sake of the kingdom in new ways in new arenas maybe for the first time or maybe it's whole new levels of influence that you are believing God is entrusting you with in this season seriously girls revival will only happen when the female church awakens to usher in humanity's welcome home with your voice and your presence so why don't you look at stepping into investing into this space called gather voices with us for a six-month journey. Phenomenal guests, uh, coaches are coming on, guest equippers. You're going to meet incredible girls across our nation online from wherever you are so that all different parts of this nation can be impacted with your voice. Consider joining us. Jump on to gatherwomen.com and have a look at all that is coming up in this movement that serves you and the call of God in your life.